Amen. Good morning, Cross Point. Hope you guys are doing well. Children, you can be released for Cross Point Kids. Can make your way to the back, and the leaders there will take you to your classroom. So, next week, we are starting back into our series in the Gospel of Mark, picking back up in uh, chapter 11. So, I want to encourage you, and in case you've been visiting the last couple weeks, each series as we go through different books of the Bible, as our gift to you, we give you these scripture journals. It has the scripture on one side and a place to take notes on the other side. You can either use that during the message to take notes in your own devotion as you're reading along, hopefully throughout the week and preparing your hearts. This is our gift to you. If you do not have one of these, you can pick this up at our connection table in the back as we'll be starting back into this series next week. So this week, though, we're concluding a five-week series that we've been going through that we've entitled, Are We There Yet? right? Like on every long road trip that the theme, the imagery that I've been using is on these long car rides. What do we always hear kids crying out from the back, right? It's the, are we there yet? How much further the impatience, the longing that can arise And in the connection is, is that oftentimes we can feel the same thing here in church. Like, are we there yet? Where exactly are we going? How will we know when we get there? Are, are we all going in the same direction? And so in the weeks leading up to today, we've been looking at that. One, in week one, it was looking at what's our motivation? Like what's driving us together as a church, together like this, to sit on uncomfortable benches, to sing songs together, to study God's Word together? What is the motivation? In, in, in the week one, I, I quoted a, a an article from CNN in 2018 that looked at the top 10 reasons why Christians go to church. Some of those included family tradition, to to be a better person, to teach children a, a moral foundation, to socialize and make connections when you move into a new area, or, or simply out of obligation. But what we said then and, and what I continue to say now is that those motivations are insufficient to overcome the challenges that we will face within and within our culture to continue together. Our motivation must be fueled by, encouraged by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who Jesus is, what he has accomplished in his perfect life, death on the cross in our place, and through his resurrection, that needs to be the fire that burns within us, that compels us. Because so much of what this series has been has been a a, a call to say, what is our vision together as a church? Where are we going? And you'll see up on the screen our mission statement as a church. Like The way we say it is that we are compelled by the gospel to become disciples who make disciples. That's simply saying that God's word compels us to be obedient to what he has commanded us. Become disciples and to make disciples. This isn't some just pretty sane that we have as a church. We believe this is what God commands us, and we want to surrender and walk in obedience to that. Now, as part of if we're going to travel this road together, in week two, we looked at what's our destination? Where are we going? Because if one person says we're going to Miami and the other person says they're going to Atlanta, we're going in different directions, right? We need to have a shared destination, and that is in what we mean by the term disciple. What is a disciple? 
This is where we use that, the hexagonal shape. Understand what it means, the top of that hexagon, that a disciple is someone who worships Jesus. The downward facing, the bottom of that hexagon, pointing down through ongoing surrender. The sides with obedience to God in everyday life. And all of this is only possible in the heart of what you see there by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we mean when we say disciple. This is our destination together as a church as to what that means. And that this begins inwardly. There's an inward transformation before there is an outward obedience. This is where we draw the triangle inside of that hexagon. That we're changed from the inside out, not the outside in. It means behavioral modification. Simply being a good person does not make us holy. That's impossible. It's impossible to please God in our own broken obedience. Transformation comes from within. As God transforms us, as we are changed inwardly, and then this produces within us a new heart that then walks in obedience in a way that honors God because it's in His strength, not our own. Transformation needs to begin within before it can produce outward obedience that is pleasing to God. This is not just about being a better person. This is not just about be good. This is about living a surrendered life to Jesus Christ, depending on His strength at work within us. This is what it means to abide in Jesus. Now, last week we looked in, if that's becoming disciples, what does it mean to make disciples? Those three outward-facing arrows that out of what is happening internally, it produces something together, that we abide together, right, in the gospel, that we are growing together in community, that we are being fruitful together on mission. There is an outward posture of the church that we are formed as a family to display and declare and to demonstrate the glory of Jesus, right? This is why we exist. This is how we do that. And so last week we talked about some of the ways that we do that through gathering together on Sunday mornings, the gathering of believers to encourage and equip Christians that as you gather here, then to be sent out into the world, Together in community groups, groups of 10 or 15 people that, that gather. We have 11 different community groups currently that meet throughout the city. Together, together, through the week, 10 to 15 people to grow together as a family in discipleship and living on mission together. Last week, I, I introduced a DNA group, something that we want to try together in even smaller pockets of two to three, four people gathered together for deep personal discipleship where you can share things confidentially in that small setting to walk together. This is something we're trying. I talked to one lady this week and she's like, yeah, I'll be your guinea pig. That's kind of what it's like, right? This isn't a program where it's like, this is going to end and like be the end all be all. What this is, is our desire to continue to grow as a congregation and what it means to grow in discipleship. 
It's providing an opportunity in close relationship, given time, God's word, to allow his spirit to work within us. That's what it's, it's meant to be as we continue to want to walk in this together. Now today, as we conclude, and we're doing this intentionally as we get ready to launch back into the fall and continue with our Mark series, it's an invitation that we are taking a family road trip. Right? Like whenever our family goes on a road trip, that what my dad always did, and now what we continue to do is we have everybody standing outside the cars, we pray together, and then we pile in the cars and off we go. This is kind of what I'm intending in this time this morning. There's a sense of, of we're going somewhere together as a church family. What does that mean? Why? What does that mean to be part of the family? Why does God call us to be part of the family? What does that mean and how do I join? There's this invitation I want you to feel, this call of why the Bible calls us together in local community and how that looks then here at Crosspoint. So let me pray and then we're going to dive in. Lord, I do thank you for this time this morning. I pray that you would lead and guide us. Lord, as we reflect on where we're at, as we feel the the call to walk in obedience to where you're leading us, I pray that you would unite our hearts together as one family. Lord, that are unified because of who you are and all that you have accomplished. So Lord, we surrender this time to you. Would you use it for your glory? And in Jesus' name, amen. Why be part of a local church? Like, that's a fair question. What is it? Why should you be part? And why not just attend and leave? Why have something called partnership, which other churches would use the the term membership? I think one of the reasons why is because church is a family. It's not an event. Romans 12, verses 10 through 13, which you'll see on the screen, says, listen to this command. If, if we hear this for ourselves, love each other. Like, love each other like brothers and sisters. Outdo each other in showing honor to one another. Don't be lazy in, in your zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord rejoice with hope. Be patient when times are hard. Be constant in in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and, and seek to show hospitality. Invite people into your home, not just seeing them on Sundays. Do you feel this? Do you hear the kind of language that the Apostle Paul is using for the church? It's that of a family. 59 times throughout the Bible, he, it uses the term one another. How we should interact with one another as brothers and sisters, to love one another, to be unified to one another, to walk in humility with one another, to encourage one another. This is what Scripture calls us to as a church family. It is not to an organization, it is to one another. It is a commitment to one another, but I fear too often, because of the way churches can be programmed and the way that people see churches, churches are often seen as an event rather than a family. 
It is a destination that we attend, might participate in a bit. We observe, we consume, we leave. I did church. Church is not an event. It is not something you step into and out of. It's not a destination. It is a family. It is a commitment in life, in relationship to one another. Like, I think about what this has meant. Several years ago, I had the privilege of performing the marriage renewal vows for my parents on their 50th anniversary. They had the original book that the pastor used at their ceremony that I got to read from. And it was incredible. We were all in tears. But I think about the words that they said, for better or for worse, richer or poor, sickness and in health, to love and to cherish. And I remember my parents before then talking about how when they first said these words, they had no idea what it meant. They didn't know what it would cost. They said it with a hopeful promise. But now, 50 years later, they understood the better and the worse. They understood health and sickness and seeing God's mercy and care in their marriage throughout the years. And now when they said those words, there were tears in all of our eyes because we understood the weight of what those words meant and in the weightiness of God's faithfulness to them. That's the kind of church family I long for. A commitment to one another in what that means. Now, I want you to be careful in what I am saying and what I'm not saying. I am not likening church partnership to marriage vows, <laughs> okay? This isn't Hotel California where you're welcome but you can never leave, okay? That's not what I mean. What I do want you to hear me saying, though, is that partnership in a local church takes commitment, and I fear too often we take it too lightly. It's not a commitment to an organization. It's a commitment to one another. This is what it means to be a church family. This is what it means to partner together. And, and this is why we even use the term partnership rather than membership, right? Because I, I think of membership. You can be a member at Sam's Club or Costco, right? You, you pay an annual due and you get special privileges. Partnership, in my mind, seems to capture better what our heart is for when you become part of the Cross Point family. Part of this is taken from the language that we find in Philippians chapter 1. That I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That phrase is not speaking about membership or partnership and what language should be used there. What it is, is it's describing how the Apostle Paul related to the people in the church. It was a partnership. It was working together as a church family. And, and this is what we mean when we say partnering together. It, it, it's how other churches would use the term membership. 
But, but here's my fears. I've known some like old Baptist churches that they're like, we have a thousand members on the roll and a hundred people on Sunday morning, right? It's not just about names on a list. It's about partnering together in the gospel, being in, in covenant relationship together as a church family. That's our heart. That's our intent. This is what we want to invite you into as we're moving forward. That what does it mean then to partner together, to covenant together? And and there's kind of two sides to the accountability that I want us to see and feel the weight of in Scripture. From Hebrews 13, uh, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no benefit to you. Think about what this means. If church is just an event that we go, we listen, and we leave, there's no leadership, there's no voluntary submission. In America, we love our independence. We love the sense of don't tell me what to do, what to think. There is a natural reaction against this. And personally, that's my personality. So there's a little bit of like weirdness to even like read this (laughs) in front and be like, obey and listen to your leaders. Like, I don't want this to be a coercive, like, aspect. This is a voluntarily. So like submitting to and following leaders who are caring for your soul. The church has not always done this well. There has been abuses. There are ways that this is misused. But in a covenant partnership, there is a voluntarily submitting to local spiritual leaders on the journey of discipleship. Too often what I see happening is people can move from church to church to do the church thing as a destination, but as soon as people get a little too close, as soon as the sin that we hide beneath the mask begins to get exposed, it is easier to go find a new church and start over where all they see is our mask rather than dealing with the sin within. That is a danger. It is uncomfortable. For people to really know us, to really know the brokenness beneath. There's a vulnerability there that we both long for and despise, that we will want to run from. The invitation is to press in. The invitation is to both be known and to be loved. This is our heart. But there's another side to this. It's not just about obey and submit to your leaders. I want you to feel the the weight that, that I feel when it says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. I believe that one day I will stand before God and I will have to give an account for how I shepherded this congregation. You want to talk about the fear of God? Like, because I know, 
there's times I can look back and I was like, to the best of my ability and faithfulness, I served well. And there are times I know I've messed up, that I have not been perfect in how I shepherded. And I wish I have done more or said things differently. And I know that I am going to stand before a holy and righteous God and have to give an account for how I shepherded. That's a reality. And so it also brings up in my mind the question, for whom has God charged me to shepherd? For whom will I give an account? Is it someone who's visiting while they're on vacation? Will I have to give an account for them? What about those who come on Easter and, and, and Christmas? Will I have to give an account for them? Like, I take seriously the reality that I am going to have to stand before God and be held accountable for how I shepherd it. Part of partnership helps us as leaders know who we're charged with, who's part of the flock that we know we will stand before God and have to give an account, who is together with us, submitting and walking with leadership for their spiritual care. Who are we going to stand before God because of how we cared for them? This is what partnership helps us to understand and why it is part of the church. So what does this mean? Some attend Crosspoint. You you, you would consider it even your family. My question is this, are you a partner and if not, why not? Is there something that, that, that's holding you back, or is it maybe just not understanding what that even was, or what that means? Partnership confirms your commitment to the family, not to an organization, to one another, to leadership and to one another. And it confirms our responsibility to care and to love and to shepherd well. This is the the invitation I want you to feel. That that if you're observing, if, if you're here and you're participating, what does it look like to take the next step to partnering together, to say like, yes, this is my church family. These are the people I want to one another with. In the joys and in the hardships, let's go on this journey of discipleship together. Now, There's also times that we do a partnership renewal. What that means is those who are already partners, it's it's an opportunity to recommit, to say, yes, I, I am still here. Yes, I am still committed to walking this path together. Now feels like an important time for us to do that. Because 18 months ago, when when COVID first started, everything, this shut down and everything was online. Right? And and we were gathering digitally. Then we were gathering in the park in small settings. And then we could only be 50 people at a time gathering. And then we're back to having more. And some are still online. And it's been this crazy season because I was at Starbucks off of Narcusi. And a gentleman came up to me at one point and he was like, Hey, you're Steve, right? We go to Crosspoint. We're there every Sunday. And I'm like, I've never seen you online. We've been going for months. And I'm just like, 
it's nice to meet you. I had no idea you existed. None whatsoever. This is the season we're in. People have moved away. Others have disengaged. Others have gone to other churches. New people have come in. We're in the, this season of change, and we're wanting to move forward together as one family. So this is why, like starting today and over the next month, you're going to be hearing us talk about partnership renewal or joining the church as a partner. Now, if you're not ready, I don't want you to feel pressure. I don't want you to feel coerced. But I do want you to understand why and what it means to be a partner. Why we do that and what we mean by it. Because God's been incredibly faithful. We currently have 85 partners at Crosspoint. God has added to our number 16 over the summer, and there's eight more that are currently in process going through our partnership material who are joining. This is God's faithfulness. Yes. Like, that's exciting to see what God's doing in growing our family. We want to see people connected and cared for. How can we help you take that next step? So one of the things that you'll see is on, and I don't have it, on, on the, the worship guide, that if you got that on your way in, there's a QR code on the back for those who are willing to do digital. If you are interested in joining, to, to join the family, you can use that QR code. If you are currently a partner, you can use that QR code to renew your partnership. We're also going to be following up with all of our partners to talk with you, to confirm who are we as a family as we move forward. That's to help you and the one another and to help us know like, who we're shepherding, who we're accountable for together. And so you can use that. Now, if you hate technology, no pressure. You don't need to know what a QR code at the connect table, they would be able to help you. So that's the table right next to the coffee. You can use that um, and they can help walk you through that. So what does it mean then? We do a covenant as a church. This is what you're signing. And, and so I want to take a few moments to explain what that is. There's 10 statements as part of our covenant. And I want there to be understanding, like, what exactly am I committing to? What does it mean to, to, to join the Crosspoint family? What does it mean to one another together? How do we talk about that? What am I agreeing to? And so I want to just kind of walk through these 10 statements together. The first one is this. Having repented of my sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we humbly and joyfully enter or renew our covenant with each other. I want it to be clear that our covenant is not to an organization, it is to one another through the local church and under local leadership. We are unified by Jesus Christ. Hear that. It is not by the color of our skin. It is not from our background. It is not from our mother tongue. It is not by our level of education. It is not by the amount of money we have as a balance in our bank account. We are unified together as a body by Jesus Christ to his glory. 
This is what joins us together. This is why it's, it's first. That what you're part of is it's not just part of an organization. It's saying, I have trusted in Jesus Christ as part of the global family of God. And I am joining in that expression locally as someone who is surrendered to Jesus Christ. And then our heart towards one another. There's a, this is where these next statements um, come out. And so what I want to encourage, this may be awkward, if you are a partner or in process or willing to say these, I want to read these as I go through them together. I want us to hear our voices together. So if you will, read this statement with me. We will work and pray for the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. It's a beautiful thing. This is the we. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That there's a commitment to work and to pray for unity. This is going to mean keeping short accounts. This is going to mean there are times when you're offended. And you're going to have to ask for forgiveness and extend forgiveness to others. That means that we're going to pray for one another. We're going to do life with one another. What does that look like? If we can read this next statement together. We will walk together in brotherly love, exercising affectionate care and watchfulness over each other, and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. Sometimes I, I just want these words to, to like settle on us. In brotherly love, as a family, as we would with brothers and sisters, that when someone is hurting, we're saying that I'm, I want to come beside them and comfort them as part of what it means to one another. It means when I see sin in somebody else's life or when they see sin in my life, we're allowing them to come and to let's have those hard conversations and admonish one another. Without offense, without defensiveness, to rejoice together, to mourn together. This is a commitment to one another. The next statement. We will not say gathering together nor neglect praying for ourselves and others. That we're called to gather together. Now, I talked about this some last week and what that means in this season where some need to, to be online and others are in person. What we are saying is that it is important for us to gather together. That the times when it is necessary to be online, we are encouraging and walking with in patience and understanding together, but our heart and our desire is to be together. And for those who are online, my prayer is that you would join us in the live stream, not just fitting it in while you're doing chores around the house, but making it a priority to like, okay, I can't be there in person, but I'm worshiping together. This is a priority in a, our desire as a church. 
we can read the next statement together. We will rejoice at each other's happiness and pursue with tenderness and empathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. Like, we want this, don't we? Like when we're hurting, not just being given pat answers, but the comfort and the compassion. Like sometimes it feels like joy isn't complete until it's shared, but who do we share it with? Or like, look what God has done in my life, his faithfulness, and we want to be able to share that with somebody else. But this assumes that we're walking together in community, that we're being vulnerable with each other. Because so many of us, myself included, would happily help others, but I have a hard time being on the vulnerable side. It's both. This is why what we encourage community, because how are we going to walk in this on a Sunday morning? Hey, how you doing? Well, let me actually just dump all of this on you. That feels awkward, right? But we need to have a context where we can be honest that we're not doing well, that we're going through a hard season. What is that context? That's why we want to have these other categories throughout the week as we're doing life in community together. And here's the beautiful thing. 87% of our partners are in a community group. 87%. We have a total of 90 people in community groups right now. We have 40 last week, like just introduced DNA groups, 40 people who have expressed interest in being part of a DNA group. This shows that that I believe that there is a desire to walk and grow as disciples together. I'm excited for that. I don't know how it's all going to (laughs) work. There's all kinds of logistics we need to, to figure out with that. But this is the heart and direction I want us to be headed in. This is the purpose for those. The next statement. We will seek lives and worship of Jesus through ongoing surrender with obedience to God in everyday life by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our definition of a disciple. All this is saying is like, yes, we're committing to go in the same direction. We're committed to to travel this road together as a church family. The next statement says, we together in faithful ministry to sustain our church family's worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. God has gifted each of us uniquely to serve the family as a whole, right? To, to serve in the faith and expression of the church, to abide in Christ together, and also to serve together, to work together in, in faithful ministry. The way this looks at my house is at the end of a meal, we do what's called a family boogie, right? It's the only way to get things done. So all the kids, typically what happens is it's instant chaos. The stereo goes full blast to whoever can control it first with their favorite song. There's music playing, they're stroking, and we get the kitchen and dining room clean because we have six kids, four still at home. When they're all there, like it can be chaos, right? But it's the same thing that I kind of feel for Sunday as we gather together. There's a family boogie. 
right, that, that we need to do to, to serve together. There are those who are serving in, in many ways, they're carrying a lot of weight. And so I want to let you know of some practical ways, if you are not presently serving, that we need your help together. One is on Sunday mornings. We are doing a Sunday set team, the Sunday experience team to help with setup. We need four people. Here's what you would be committing to, to show up at 8.30 one Sunday every four weeks. And you would be helping us to move benches and to get this set up from cafeteria to church. Right now, that's falling on a handful of people. That's not sustainable. We need more hands so that we can make the work light. And so I would encourage you, if you're not currently serving, could this be an area where you could connect, where once every four weeks you would show up at 8.30 to help us? Now, if this is you, and I want you to think about it in a moment, why not? I, I want to invite you, the way to respond is after the service at the Connect table, you'll see these yellow cards on there. You can simply write your name, information, and I would follow up with you this week as we build out this team. We also need three people in Cross Point Kids. That's two elementary co-leads and one preschool teacher. This is an opportunity where if you're like, we say this statement, we will work together in faithful ministry to sustain our church family's worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. As a partner, how are you serving? If you're wanting to partner, how are you serving? These are opportunities to get connected where we have practical needs. Four people for the set team, three people for CPK, and for the worship team, Anthony is looking for both vocalist and in instrumentalist. So if that's you, because what you may not know, and maybe you've noticed, Anthony was recently diagnosed with nodes on his vocal cords. So that's why others have been leading out in... Why whenever I start to see him sing, it's like <laughs> when he starts to sing too loud or he does lead vocal, those notes hit together and cause extreme pain. He's a teacher during the week. He's leading worship for us on Sundays. We need others. This is what it means to come alongside so that he has the space to allow his vocal cords to heal. This is what it means to partner together. But if that's you, again, Fill out one of these cards. Let us know. You're needed. There's space. Just because things happen doesn't mean that everything is going smoothly. We need you to, to engage. If we can read this next statement together. We will contribute joyfully and regularly to support the ministry, expenses of the church, relief of the poor, and spread of the gospel to all nations. We are called to be joyful givers, that we realize that everything that God has entrusted to us ultimately belongs to Him. And so we respond with gratitude and generosity to what God has called us to. Your generosity, what, what, what that goes to is family expenses, right? Use of this facility so that we can gather in. 
the, the, the resources that we want to provide for you for discipleship and growth and ministries and curriculum for the kids and, and discipleship resources. It goes to uh, the staff. It goes to all of these areas that help run the church, to be the church, to serve the church family. It helps us serve on mission here at, at the school, at South Creek Middle School, to help three different church plants that are happening, to support missionaries that we've sent out from this family to North Africa, right? To support church planting in Brazil. When you give, this is what it helps us to be and do together as a church family. Now, in 2020, what this meant when COVID started in March, everything moved online. That was also when giving just went online, digitally. During that time, our giving went down. At the same time, though, we weren't meeting in person, and so we did not have the expense of the school. So what that meant through 2020... (coughs) is that even though giving was down, we still ended up with 6000 more than what was spent at the end of the year. So I just want to use this as an opportunity to explain where we're at today. So at the end of 2020, we had $6,000 more than what we, we started with. Now, throughout this year, through the first six months of uh, 2021, giving is still down. But we've also added on to the expense of meeting in the school and the rent. We've also had uh, several annual expenses, one-time expenses that hit every year, hit in March and April, which has meant that through the first six months together as a church family, we have spent $28,000 more than we have received. That's where we're at we still have over $80,000 in the bank. This is when you look at what that means. What that means month to month, in reality, is we are about $2,000 less in receiving in gifts than we are in current expenses, is what that looks like. So you can kind of do the math. There's a certain length of time that allows us to continue before you're like, that doesn't keep going. So what I I want you to be aware of is that the elders are aware and taking action. So one of the things that we're doing is we're looking over the budget saying, where can we continue to reduce the budget? Is there any, like anywhere we can just to make sure that we're not spending um, more than we need to in light of where we're presently at? We also want to bring back in-person giving. Not just in the hope that giving goes up, but the reality is giving is meant to be an act of worship, right? It's something that that we're responding. We're saying, God, thank you for the ways that you have blessed me, and I'm, I'm responding to your generosity to me with generosity, and it's an act of worship. And my concern is that because it had to be moved online, and we've continued that because of volunteers for counting, and there's all sorts of different things that happen, giving becomes an afterthought, something that's automatically set up 
on a system to process donations. But I want there to be a mindfulness, a worship in our giving. And so in the coming weeks, you'll see us, it's not going to start this week or next week because there are things that, that we're working through, but you will see that coming back in person. And that's why. Because we want there to be a moment for us to pause, to reflect, to worship in our giving. We're also inviting you to be part of God's provision. That as a family, we, there's expenses. And as participants in the family, as partners in the family, I pray that, that you are giving as God has enabled you. What that looks like is between you and God. But how has God blessed you? How is He leading you to express your gratitude and your ongoing dependence on Him through your generosity? You're needed. Things aren't just happening. This isn't, again, I don't want church to be an event that we just come to and consume and leave. It's a family where we share in that together. This is an opportunity, I believe, for, for us to prayerfully depend on God in where we're at as a church family, to, to partner together. I see God leading us, and I'm so excited for where He's, he's leading us, how He's adding to our number how he's growing our family, how he's transforming us and the stories that are represented. There's also needs and burdens that I feel as well. And that's what it means to be a church family, to rejoice together and to bear our burdens together. If we can read this next statement together. We will, when we move from this local body, do so in a spirit of unity, joining some other church, where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. People move. We live in a transient culture. We have this in there because when someone lets us know they're leaving, it's not like, okay, you're gone. Our job's done. Our question is always, how do we help you connect someplace else? Where are you connecting to as you're moving? I know pastors throughout the the U.S. of churches that we can recommend as students go off to college. There are opportunities that we want to make sure that that connection is happening. It doesn't end right away. And there is a commitment that we don't want to see people orphaned. We understand people move or go to another church. We want to help see that through. And there's a commitment that we recognize we need community. And we want to help make that happen. The final blessing that's kind of taken from 2 Corinthians 13 that I pray we hear even as we close now. May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. This is my prayer. May the grace and peace of the Lord the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May this be what binds us, what fuels us together as a church family. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity that we've had throughout this series to to unify our hearts in surrender to you. Lord, would you unify our hearts? Would you join us together in the bond of peace by your Holy Spirit? Would you transform us personally, corporately, Lord, together as a body? Would you use this church family for the glory of your name throughout the community, Lord? We surrender all of this to you. And in Jesus' name, amen.